We would certainly like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course we'd like to welcome you to the merry month of November. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, for the month of November, uh, the four Mondays, because we do the show every Monday, um, I have jazz features for each of those Mondays, of course. And the premise of the jazz features this month are albums that have become classics and essential for anybody that uh, even has a mild interest in the music. But when they were first, when these albums were first issued, the critics dissed them completely. Uh, They got two stars, two and a half stars out of five, and um, the esteemed jazz critics uh, deemed these records, um, because they were records in those days, uh, before the advent of CDs, um, they deemed them um, inconsequential and um, not particularly good, and so on and so forth. And they, they, they basically slammed them. Now, I've selected four. Now, there are many others um, that I could have uh, selected had we... Uh, we'll have to do this again uh, some other month. But I selected four for this month. And uh, I will, as I said, do it again uh, later on, maybe a couple of times. There are definitely albums that deserved one and two star ratings. They were just not very good. And uh, sometimes the critics were bang on. But in the case of these albums, wait a minute here. (laughs) Uh, The critics were way off. And uh, interestingly enough... um, one of the most famous albums, which we're not featuring, is, is Dave Brubeck's uh, Take Five album, which is one of his best-loved albums, one of his most popular. Even people that uh, don't really like jazz, uh, a lot of them have Take Five in their collection, the album Take Five, and it got two, two and a half stars. <laughs> it was dissed as well. Uh, it's not one of uh, this month's jazz features. Well, we may have to do that down the line. Uh, but there are others. There's a John Coltrane album that got just hammered uh, by the critics um, or by this particular critic who happened to be even a friend of John Coltrane's. <laughs> and he hammered the record. Um, that's another one that we, uh, we may feature down the line. But tonight, our jazz feature is by Julian Cannonball Adderley. And it's the very first album by his newly formed quintet that um, after Cannonball left Miles Davis and made all those historic records like Milestones and especially Kind of Blue and and other recordings with Miles, um, Cannonball left uh, Miles Davis in 1959 and reformed his quintet. Now, he before he had joined Miles... He had put together uh, a very fine quintet, and they were um, um, contracted to Mercury Records on the recommendation, believe it or not, of Miles Davis. Uh, Cannonball had settled in New York after his uh, momentous uh, debut there, 
Uh, he went uh, back to Florida, fulfilled some teaching commitments, came back to New York, and formed a quintet with his brother and, and some great people, and, and began recording for Mercury Records. Um, but Mercury didn't promote those uh, uh, albums, and the band uh, found bookings quite difficult for some reason, despite the fact that Cannonball and his brother Nat were uh, at the top of their game, and the band was great. Mercury Records were excellent, uh, but to support the band, Cannonball even had to go and, and uh, work as a car salesman. And uh, um, believe it or not, um, that's what he had to do to finance the band. And he finally got a little discouraged and broke up the band. Nat Adderley went on to join Woody Herman's band and then later on J.J. Johnson. And Cannonball went on to join Miles Davis and make music history with Miles. So this all came after Cannonball left Miles, as I mentioned before, and they decided to put the band together again. Cannonball Adderley, Julian Adderley on alto saxophone, one of the most uh, formidable voices of that instrument, and his brother Nat on, on cornet. Cornet is a smaller, sharper-sounding trumpet, and uh, Nat favored that horn. Um, the other people involved in the band... Uh, who uh, Bobby Timmons, who is a wonderful pianist, of course, with his own style, but also an incredible composer. He had, uh, he had worked with Art Blakey for a couple of years, and he left Blakey to join Cannonball and brought over some of his compositions to Cannonball's band. And somebody who was raised in Florida, along with the Adderley brothers, bassist Sam Jones, uh, and a very young drummer who had been working with Horace Silver by the name of Lewis Hayes became the drummer in the band. So that was the personnel, the two Adderley brothers, Bobby Timmons, the pianist, Sam Jones, the bassist, and Lewis Hayes, the drummer. They had begun playing gigs, and the band was coming together. Cannonball had signed um, a recording contract with Riverside Records, and the head honcho was the redoubtable, feisty, and wonderful producer Oren Keepnews. And he told Cannonball, he said, wherever you are in the country, I know you're touring, wherever you are, if you feel that the band is ready to record, I'll bring equipment myself and we'll come out wherever you are. I don't care if it's in Nome, Alaska, wherever. Uh, once you feel the band is gelled enough and is sounding the way you want it to sound, we'll record. And so Cannonball uh, played a number of gigs, and then they headed out to the West Coast in October of 1959 to play at the legendary North Beach uh, Jazz Haven, the Jazz Workshop in San Francisco. Cannonball had a two-week engagement there. And during that time, he picked up the phone. He called Oren Keep News. He said, we're ready. The band's ready. I'm ready. And Oren says, I'm ready too. And uh, he came out. And of course, um, they made this historic record. Interestingly enough, uh, Keep News was able to, once they uh, selected the tunes that uh, were going to go on the record. Uh, Keep News um, was able to rush 
the release of the record and put it out there very quickly, and it became a hit. Um, people loved the, the album, loved the band, and, and the tunes on the band, uh, one of them written by Bobby Timmons, which we're going to hear right away. Um, and, and, and the record sold extremely well for a jazz album, and um, they even uh, issued a couple of 45s, edited 45s for jukebox play, because there were jukebox all over the country. Uh, these things are now kind of obsolete. <laughs> you go to Helen's Grill at 25th and Main, there's still jukebox up there. But every restaurant had, had, had uh, jukeboxes, you know, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff, nightclubs. And so um, records were edited for these 45s, and uh, they were played in, in jukeboxes all over the place. And... Uh, uh, that helped, of course, uh, finance and, and uh, uh, the record company and, and make money for the musicians as well because they got royalties on the sales. So that's the history of the album. And as I said, it was recorded at the Jazz Workshop in San Francisco in October of 1959. Now, when it was issued, um, the magazine, Downbeat Magazine, reviewed this album and gave it two stars, two and a half stars, actually, and said, nothing much is happening. The Cannonball doesn't play as well on this album as he did with Miles Davis. Uh, uh, there was all sorts of other carps uh, and complaints, and the album was basically dissed by the critics. Of course, this album has now become a classic. And, uh, and it really meant a lot to the career of Cannonball Adderley because this was, this was an auspicious launch for his career. Um, the fact that it sold so well was wonderful and that people liked it. Um, unfortunately, with some other artists, they weren't as prominent as the Adderley brothers. And of course, uh, people did pay attention to the critics and some of those albums really fell by the wayside, although they're considered classics now. But this album is one of the best-loved albums by Cannonball Adderley, and it really was a beginning for him. And, of course, he kept this band together right up until his untimely death in 1975. And the Cannonball Adderley Quintet, sometimes a sextet, was one of the major groups in jazz music. So we take you back. And we're going to play you this album as our jazz feature this evening, the first uh, of our <laughs> low-rated uh, yet classic albums. And it was entitled The Cannonball Adderley Quintet in San Francisco, featuring Nat Adderley, recorded live at the Jazz Workshop. So, once again, Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone, Brother Nat on cornet, Bobby Timmons at the piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. We're going to hear Cannonball, one of the great introductions in jazz, introduce the first tune. He's going to describe it. It's a composition by Bobby Timmons, and it became a huge, huge hit for this band. And uh, he'll tell you all about it. Uh, the tune is called Dis Here, or Dish Here, whatever. Uh, the second tune was written by the Adderley Brothers, 
and uh, it's a little blues and called Spontaneous Combustion. That's a great, uh, great tune as well. Nice straight ahead uh, blues in the key of F. Um, tune number three is a wonderful piece of music by Randy Weston called High Fly, and all the bands were playing that tune at the time. Uh, tune number four is uh, Cannonball Adderley original, uh, an up-tempo, challenging tune, fun tune to listen to. Uh, it's called You Got It. And the final tune is, was written by Oscar Pettiford, and that became a feature for um, drummer Louis Hayes. And we're going to hear a wonderful version of Oscar Pettiford's Bohemia After Dark. So those are the five selections that were issued uh, on the original LP and these classic performances. So we take you back, our jazz feature tonight, Cannonball Adderley Quintet in San Francisco. And here is Mr. Adderley to introduce the first tune. simultaneously a shout and a chant, depending upon whether you know anything about the roots of church music and all that kind of stuff, meaning soul church music. I don't mean uh, Bach chorales, and so that's different. You know what I mean? This is soul, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? All right. Now we're going to play this by Bobby Timmons. It's really called This Here. However, for reasons of soul and description, we have corrupted it Come on, come 
Now we're going to do a piece by Randy Weston, fine young jazz composer and jazz pianist, usually writes waltzes, sometimes known as the latter-day Wayne King. However, this one is 4-4 four, four time. It's called High Flight.
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was a record that, uh, when it was reviewed, and of course it's now a classic, was given two and a half stars out of five by the esteemed jazz critics. They missed a boat on that one. And, of course, it sold wonderfully as well and uh, really put Riverside Records, uh, the small label that Cannonball was uh, contracted to, on the map. And, of course, it put Cannonball Adderley on the map as one of the finest band leaders. And, of course, he'd already established himself as one of the leading voices of the alto saxophone and, um, of course, went on to be um, a great band leader and a great communicator of uh, fine music right up until uh, his untimely death in 1975 from uh, uh, results of uh, a diabetic condition. Cannonball Adderley, Julian Adderley on alto saxophone, leading brother Nat on cornet, as he mentioned, Bobby Timmons at the piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. And that was recorded at the legendary North Beach Jazz Club, the Jazz Workshop in San Francisco in October of 1959. And the tunes that we heard, um, this great introduction by Cannonball, where he describes the first tune, um, <laughs> not like Bach chorales and everything, but it's uh, it feels like church. Uh, it is soulful. Anyway, that, that was a tune, a hit for the band, written by pianist Bobby Timmons, and that was called This Here. And the second piece of music was a blues in the key of F, uh, written by the Adderley Brothers called Spontaneous Combustion. And uh, then the third tune was written by the wonderful pianist Randy Weston, and that was, of course, High Fly, which was a, a tune that was very popular in the uh, jazz lexicon um, back in those days. I don't know how much it's played today, but it's a great tune. And tune number four was um, an original by Cannonball Adderley called You Got It, and the final tune, of course, was Oscar Pettiford's classic Bohemia After Dark, and, of course, that featured a drum solo by 20... One-year-old Lewis Hayes, the youngest member of the band. So there you have it, the Cannonball Adderley Quintet in San Francisco, featuring Nat Adderley, recorded live at the Jazz Workshop. And that was our first jazz feature for the month of November. And the remaining three jazz features will be albums that are now classics that were um, the premise is that these albums were uh, dissed by the jazz critics and, and dismissed as uh, inconsequential. There were lots of them, actually, uh, but I picked uh, four for this month, and this was the first. Next week, we're going to hear another one, and uh, you'll have to tune in find out what it is. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. And uh, we are going to return with a couple of uh, piano pieces by one of the greatest, Phineas Newborn Jr., one of the finest piano players that ever existed on this planet and uh, to this day he's still 
overlooked and underrated. And we're going to hear, actually, um, the two Phineas Newborn pieces that I've chosen to play. The, the bass player and the drummer will be the same as what we heard on the Cannonball Adderley um, feature, Sam Jones and Lewis Hayes. And we'll get to that in a very few moments. Just to remind you, um, again, that you are listening to The Jazz Show. I'm glad you're here. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Zine, book, and comic vendors will be gathering at the Gold Corp Center for the Arts on Sunday, November 5th for Broken Pencils Canzine Vancouver Fair. The event runs from 1 to 7, and admission is free. Visit canzine.ca for more details. Did you know that Thrive Week is next week? Thrive is a campus organization dedicated to building positive mental health for everyone at UBC. UBC Campus Experience is celebrating by putting out a podcast around reducing the stigma of mental health by sharing the lived experiences of students. The pilot podcast, produced by Archie Stapleton, will follow Alexandra Mann, a student leader on campus, and her struggle with mental health, learning disabilities, and the intersections of the two. Tune in to hear the pilot episode and learn more about how you can get involved in creating a safer space on the UBC Vancouver campus. tell you about the weather around this time and we're going to do that um tonight is a uh, few clouds in the sky and then it's going to completely cloud over and it's going to go down to about zero tonight it's cold out there and of course it's kind of a damp cold too and which is typical for november uh tomorrow is going to be cloudy uh with a 30 percent chance of um, a light shower in the morning and maybe another one in the afternoon but only a 30 percent chance so uh, maybe we can uh, escape that for a little while uh, with a low of zero and a high of six. The outlook for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is periods of rain. That's it for those three days. We're going to get some real November rain with lows between um, three and six uh, in the evening and highs <laughs> around seven and eight. Not a whole lot of uh, variation in temperature, but a little bit warmer, but unfortunately rain. And the weekend's pretty well the same thing. Rain for both days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, with lows down to about five and highs up to nine. So again, a little warmer, but we have to put up with the rain pretty well for the rest of the week. So if uh, we can get in, sort of escape it tomorrow, uh, we'll be kind of lucky. So there you have it. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. The CM, the CIS, the Queen Anse, Hydra CM, the 
All right, we are back with some music. This time, pianist, genius, Phineas Newborn Jr. Phineas um, had a rather up-and-down career. He, he um, was suffered from uh, mental health problems uh, and, and very often had to go back home. He was from originally from Memphis. He played just about every instrument in the book, but, of course, he, he is known for his uh, genius piano playing. Uh, there's, there's really no one like him, and, and this is one of the reasons why I guess maybe Phineas wasn't, uh, hasn't become as well-known as he should. Um, he, he passed away in the late 80s, and um, this great uh, pianist uh, did make some very, very significant recordings. This one was done in Los Angeles in November of 1961 with Sam Jones on bass and Lewis Hayes on drums, who we heard a lot of uh, with the Cannonball Adderley group. Uh, Sam and Lewis made one of the finest rhythm sections in jazz. So we're going to hear two tunes. Um, with Phineas Newborn playing the piano. And the first one is uh, a tune written by Sonny Rollins. And Sonny wrote this for his uh, very famous album called Way Out West, and, and that's the title track uh, of the album and Sonny's composition because uh, he recorded the album when he was visiting Los Angeles. So that's the first tune, Way Out West by Sonny Rollins. And the second tune is written, it's been credited to Miles Davis, but he didn't write it. It was written by Eddie Vinson, Eddie Cleanhead Vinson, the great uh, blues singing alto saxophonist, wrote some great tunes, was a very sophisticated musician, and he wrote this tune that became a classic. It's called Four. So Phineas Newborn Jr. Listen here. I'm a real smart boy tonight. <laughs> I was looking at another CD player. All right, here we go. Sorry for the delay. That's my fault and my, my faulty engineering. So uh, here we go. Phineas Newborn.
couple of pieces by a pianist who many jazz pianists say was one of the best in the world, and I'm inclined to agree. Phineas Newborn Jr. from Memphis, Tennessee, playing with Sam Jones on bass and Louis Hayes on drums. We heard two tunes, uh, the first one being Sonny Rollins' uh, great classic, Way Out West, and the second tune was written by Eddie Cleanhead Vinson and entitled Four. And uh, with those two tunes, uh, we certainly had a, a great uh, uh, view of Phineas Newborn's piano playing. Wonderful, wonderful player. Great musician. We are going to turn our attention now. I'm going to play you something by a musician from Poland. And uh, I hope that I can get this across to you via this uh, particular method. And uh, we're going to hear him do, his name is um, Andres uh, Ogenisiak. Uh, I'm not very good with, uh, with, with Polish names. There's probably uh, a simpler way of pronouncing it, but it looks like Andres uh, uh, Olenziak. Um, uh, maybe that's a little closer. He's a wonderful tenor saxophone player, and he's going to do a tune. Um, it's a great tune that's been made famous by Billie Holiday, and it's called Lover Man. And he's going to be playing this with a group of uh, Polish musicians in a big band arrangement of that tune. But he has a lovely sound and a beautiful approach of the tenor saxophone. And I'll tell you a little more about um, this gentleman uh, in after we hear this piece of music. So here he is now.
Right. Yes. A beautiful version of Ram Ramirez's Lover Man. Andres Olenizak. And uh, again, <laughs> uh, excuse my mispronunciation of his uh, Polish name, but he's coming to Vancouver November 10th at the Norman Rothstein Theater at 8 p.m., uh, which, of course, is at uh, 950 West 41st Avenue. And this is brought to you um, by the Polish-Canadian Jazz Society. And it's not only featuring this incredible saxophone player, but some other wonderful musicians, including Marek uh, Napiorkowski, uh, who is a wonderful guitarist, uh, Michelle Baranski on bass, and Cesare Conrad on drums. And uh, all of these guys are going to be um, performing uh, in this very special concert at the Norman Rothstein Theater, uh, November 10th. Um, and that, of course, is at uh, 950 West 41st Avenue. Now, you can check out, um, it, this is uh, uh, a very special concert presentation, and uh, I'll give you a little more information as to uh, uh, costs and all that sort of stuff uh, in a very few moments, but uh, I'll tell you a little more about this. But this is presented by the Polish-Canadian Jazz Society, and um, I guess you can, uh, you can Google them and find out a little more about... Um, uh, the concert and uh, the costs and all that sort of stuff and it's uh, these are incredible musicians from from Europe and uh, uh, again um, they may not have uh, a very high profile here but uh, I think they will after uh, you hear them play these are incredible players and uh, again uh, you can actually if you uh, telephone um, 604-351-3626. Uh, you can get more information as to the concert and uh, the prices and all of that sort of stuff. So that's one phone number. That's 604-351-3626 or 604-818-0650. Uh, uh, or you can get on to the web and just um, get on to uh, uh, www.pcjazzsociety.ca. Uh, That's the uh, PC Jazz Society, all one word, um, dot .ca. Check it out. All right, and you can find out more about this uh, incredible concert. We're going to uh, change the pace a little bit now and play you some music by two of the finest vocalists in jazz. The late, great Ella Fitzgerald, and she's going to meet the late, great Joe Williams, and they're going to be backed up by the Count Basie Orchestra. Check this out.
have the blues Seem like bad luck and trouble It's you I hate to lose Ella, nobody loves me Nobody seems to care Nobody loves you Nobody loves me, nobody seems to care. Ooh, Speaking of bad luck and trouble, what? well, you know I've had my share. You had to share. I'm gonna pack my suitcase, moving on down the line.
Cause baby girl, I love everything you do Fitzgerald and Joe Williams together, and with the uh, first with the uh, full contingent of the great Count Basie Orchestra, and the second piece of music was um, with uh, a small group from uh, Basie's orchestra, and it was all done on the same day. So the first piece of music, of course, was the classic blues. Every day I have the blues. 
written by, actually composed by Memphis Slim and uh, sung by both Ella and Joe Williams. And uh, the second piece of music was an improvised thing uh, right off the top of their heads called the Party Blues. And that featured uh, a couple of short solos by trombonist Henry Coker and trumpeter Joe Newman. And, of course, the great uh, bassy rhythm section, Freddie Green, Eddie Jones, uh, Sonny Payne, and, um, of course, Count Basie on piano and, and all the other folks associated with the Basie Orchestra of the mid-50s. A couple of uh, classic pieces. Just uh, briefly getting back to uh, that uh, uh, piece of music that I played a little earlier um, from the uh, Polish-Canadian Jazz Society. I think the easiest thing um, to do, of course, the concert, as I mentioned, uh, is at 8 p.m., and that's at the Norman Rothstein Theater, as I mentioned, and uh, that's at 950 West 41st Avenue, 41st and Oak. Uh, and uh, you'll have to forgive me of my uh, horrible mispronunciation of these Polish names, but uh, if I spoke uh, Polish, I'd be able to pronounce them right. But the guitarist is absolutely amazing. His name is uh, um, Marek Napiorkowski. <laughs> and uh, he is amazing, and Michael Baranski is the bassist, and uh, Cesare Conrad is the drummer, and of course that great, wonderfully um, lyrical and warm-sounding saxophonist, uh, Andreas uh, Olenizak. So all these four great gentlemen will be playing there at the... Um, Norman Rothstein Theater, and the easiest thing to do is get onto the web. You'll get all kinds of information if you do that. Uh, www.pcjazzsociety, all one word, dot C-A. That's www.pcjazzsociety.ca. So I just thought I'd mention it again, and uh, please forgive me of my uh, uh, terrible mispronunciation of all these guys' names, but uh, one day I'll learn to speak Polish. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to turn our attention now. I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're going to play something very special right now. Um, it's by some European musicians, and it's a band called Vienne, and... They are playing the music of Maurice Ravel. What is the most familiar composition that you know by the great Maurice Ravel? Of course, it's going to be Bolero. Uh, the people involved here, uh, Michael Arbenz on piano, Thomas Lons on bass, and Florian Arbenz on drums, and featured on this piece, uh, Andy Shepard, the great uh, British uh, saxophonist uh, who plays uh, tenor and soprano saxophone on this uh, particular piece of music. And uh, on Bolero, uh, on this particular selection, there's uh, uh, also a horn section, which has been arranged by the pianist um, Michel Arbenz, and it features uh, uh, Martial in Albon on trumpet, uh, Florian Weiss on trombone, Nils uh, Fischer on um, 
soprano, alto, and bass clarinet, and Noah Arnold on alto saxophone and tenor saxophone. But the soloist uh, on this piece of music uh, is the great Andy Shepard. So we are going to listen to Bien's arrangement of this familiar piece of music by Morris Ravel entitled Bolero.
Well, I bet you you never heard Bolero played like that before, huh? Yeah, that's from a band called Vienne. And uh, the CD is entitled Vienne Plays Ravel. Everything on here was written by Maurice Ravel and given um, a very special interpretive treatment by uh, uh, Michel Arbenz. And he did the horn arrangements on there. There's a whole group of European musicians playing uh, trumpets, trombones, uh, saxophones, etc. And the soloist on that piece, uh, playing soprano and tenor saxophone, was the great British uh, musician Andy Shepard. And, of course, um, the trio, uh, Michel Arbenz, who, who did all the arrangements on piano, uh, Thomas Lons on bass, uh, Florian Arbenz on drums. And, of course, that was their version of probably the most recognized, one of the most recognized pieces of music uh, ever, and uh, obviously Morris Ravel's most recognized piece of music, and that was Bolero. A very special arrangement. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to turn now to uh, some great jazz music by Horace Silver, pianist, um, and we'll be playing his music in a very few moments. Just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the web www.citr.ca. A couple of uh, brief announcements, and we'll be right back with The Lone Ranger and the great Horace Silver. Theater and Disorders Shindig is back for the 34th year and is hosted at Hastings Mill Brewing Company, formerly known as Pat's Pub, every Tuesday night. We've curated a spicy roster of local musicians, and there are 27 bands, 27 winners, but someone has to take home the Shindig Windig crown from last year's champ, Little Sprout. Come watch bands jam out, have fun, and battle it out for some rad prizes provided by our sponsors. Zero Fox Postering, Nimbus Recording, Cannery Brewery, Pandora's Box, Fader Master Studios, Rain City Recorders, Mint Records, Music Waste, Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell, Six Cent Press, Blue Light Studios, Hastings Mill Brewery, Print Print. Come out to Patch Pub November 14th to see Late Night with Andy Resto featuring Sexy Merlin, Last Forest, and Pleasure Blimps. We don't need to tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Mass evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. You're listening to CITR 101.9. Broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim-speaking Musqueam people. The music of Horace Silver is uh, this great pianist, composer, and band leader led one of the uh, finest groups in modern jazz. They were together this, uh, under the same personnel for, uh, for many years, and of course they, they had this uh, cohesion, which was, uh, could only really happen when a band plays together all the time. 
And uh, this particular concert took place at the um, Teatro Olympia in Paris, uh, October 6, 1962. And, of course, this is the classic Horace Silver Quintet. Blue Mitchell, Richard Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Junior Cook on tenor saxophone, Eugene Taylor on bass, and the great Detroit drummer Roy Brooks. And, of course, Horace Silver at the piano. And this is his composition called The Sayonara Blues. Horace Silver. and it's called the Song for Wales, 